Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. Uh, today, uh, as we dive into our teaching series, we're continuing our Family Values series with part three. And today, we're, we're studying and leaning into the idea of loyalty, loyalty within our family relationships. Now, I, I'm not sure that we planned this when we looked at our preaching calendar for 23, but this conversation about loyalty happens to coincide with the beginning of football season, whether you're college or pro ball player or watcher. Uh, just two weeks ago, and therein, football and sports in general is a great example of loyalty. Loyalty. You see, there's millions of loyal sports fans out there. Some of you even in the room today, uh, there are sports fans out there that as you would turn on the television or attend an event, they are adorned in the team colors. Last night, we happened to cruise by the WVU pit game, and they actually coordinate the sections of the stadium to blue or gold so that from the blimp, it alternates colors. I'm like, who does that? You can't tell another person to do anything without blowback, and yet they get a whole stadium to color coordinate their outfits. Loyalty. Loyalty. I don't even know who won. Doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, so you see loyalty, faces painted, color-coordinated outfits throughout the whole entire stadium, uh, foam fingers flying. They got the, the flags in the minivan windows as they pull in to tailgate before the game. You see sports fans, uh, football and others, exude a loyalty that is hard to comprehend in any other context, right? It just doesn't make sense to paint your face uh, for baptism. Maybe you should try it next time. I'm for it. We'll see. Uh, but you see a loyalty there that is surprising. It is steadfast and resolute. Uh, now, loyalty, uh, as you think about it, um, loyalty really shows up, especially in people who are willing to support teams that aren't doing so great. Uh, maybe we could talk about the Patriots a little bit this morning. Like, if you see someone wearing a Patriots jersey in 2023, there is a loyal fan before you. Uh, our friend and, and mentor of mine at the Harrisonburg campus, Brian Charette, he is a faithful Patriots fan. He still wears the toboggan sports the sweatshirt. He is all in. You see, love it or hate it, there were for a number of years, uh, it didn't take a lot of loyalty. It was pretty easy to be a Patriots fan because they were winning all the time. And I said, love it or hate it, you don't have to agree. But they were winning a lot. Like they're running out of fingers for Super Bowl rings at this point. It was easy to be a Patriots fan then because you were riding the high tide in that season. But now some of you are still surprised to hear today that there is a Patriots team fielding weekly in 2023 because things have changed a little bit. 
It takes loyalty now to be a Patriots fan, yet still there are thousands upon thousands of people that adorn themselves in the blue and the silver, and they pay hundreds of dollars for tickets. They paint their face and have the foam fingers all to support a team they're not sure is going to win this season. Loyalty. Loyalty. A Patriots fan today is exhibiting loyalty that should inspire us all (laughs) to live more committed lives. And now, Commanders fans or Virginia Tech football fans, don't laugh too loud at some of these jokes. I'm just saying, we see you. But you see, we can be loyal about many things, whether it's being loyal about driving a Honda or a Subaru or a Chevrolet or you name it, whether it's loyal about what restaurants we patronize after uh, service, what brand peanut butter we eat can even be an issue of loyalty. But what does loyalty look like in family? What does loyalty look like in the conversation of the relationships that matter most to us? That's our focus today as we continue our family values series. This series is about walking out faithfulness to God within our family relationships, within those relationships with, uh, with whom God has entrusted us, whom he has brought close to us and given us connection Two, we believe that we are called to be faithful in those relationships just as we are called to faithfulness in our walk with the Lord. And so that's what this series is about. It's about walking that out and seeing it come to life in our relationships. Uh, We believe that everyone has some relationship with family. Uh, It might look different for each one of us. Because family can be tricky, it can be a little messy at times, but we believe that everyone has family relationships and that those relationships matter. Those relationships are important, and most of all, they're important to the Lord. They're important to the Lord. So we are committed throughout this series to keeping a question in mind, to having a focus of asking and understanding, what does it take What does it take to build strong, God-honoring family relationships no matter what our role is in family? What does it take? What does it take? Our journey uh, in family values is propelled by, it's powered, it's motivated, it's centered on two truths that I think and we believe make every difference in our family relationships. And the first truth is that there is hope. And I know that idea today might stretch you a little bit in your family relationships just to look upon them and think there is hope. And the second truth that we believe will change everything is that there is help. There is help for your family. And so we're committed to seeking the Lord because it's His hope, it's His help that we believe will make all the difference in your family relationships. That's family value. So, so what does it look like to exhibit loyalty in family relationships? In sports, it's, it's jerseys and painted faces and peanut butter. It's always choosing GIF no matter how much more expensive it is than that other brand. Does anybody even know another brand of peanut butter? I didn't think so. You see, loyalty, loyalty. But what does it look like in family? What does it look like in family? Loyalty in families, I believe, uh, begins to look like sticking together. Those relationships that we value most and that God is entrusted with, we are committed to those relationships, even when everything or perhaps even everyone is against us. Loyalty. Loyalty looks a lot like Ruth in the Old Testament. 
And that's where we're going to be today in our teaching text. If you want to start making your way there, loyalty looks like Ruth in the Old Testament who, uh, when her mother-in-law is urging her to go home, urging her to make the decision that best worked out for her, Ruth chose loyalty and stuck with her. This is a dear woman who risked her life for the sake of family loyalty, and she gives us a great example today. So turn with me in your copy of Scripture to the Old Testament and the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. We're going to begin in chapter 1 at verse 14 today. Ruth chapter 1 verse 14 says, At this they wept aloud again, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, uh, so this is Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. She goes on, she says, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely if even death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, She stopped urging her. Friends, that's a story of loyalty. That's a story of loyalty. A tough and resilient commitment despite many obstacles. Loyalty is is the commitment to maintaining connection in relationship. Loyalty is relational endurance when things aren't so easy in family. Loyalty is relational endurance. It's choosing family no matter what. In the case of Ruth and Naomi, loyalty uh, took a higher value. It held a higher place. It took precedence over things like convenience and comfort and safety and pleasure. Loyalty was a value, and that's really the heart of loyalty is a resolve, a commitment to loving others according to God's word, according to how we've been loved by Christ. Loyalty is the glue that binds the family together. It's a commitment to loving as we have been loved. Because you'll remember as we started our series looking at love as Jesus at the center of our family, we saw his commission. His words are setting the standard of love as love others as I have loved you. And so that is true as we begin to dive into this idea of loyalty. We are called to love others. We are called to be loyal in family relationships because that's how we've been loved by God's loyal love. So in our families, will we take that commitment? Will we take that loyal commitment? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word today. Uh, We ask, Father, that you would speak through the story of Ruth and Naomi and Orpah, Lord. I I pray that as we read and we study this family, uh, God, I pray that you would help us to see our family relationships here, Lord. Help us to understand and see ways that loyalty can make a difference, a redemptive difference in our family, Lord. As you have called us to, to love others as we have been loved, Lord. Lord, we see loyalty, uh, the loyalty of your love from the table of contents to maps in our Bibles, Lord. 
And we hear your call today to love others with a loyal love. So show us today, Father. Speak through your word. Tune our hearts to hear your voice. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, If you've uh, ever wondered maybe why the story of Ruth is in the Old Testament or a little bit more uh, of what that story is about, that's that's really the path we're going to take today as we unpack that story. Uh, The book of Ruth uh, in the Old Testament details, it chronicles the life of a Jewish woman named Naomi and her family. Uh, Now, Naomi, along with her husband, uh, they had two sons, and uh, they had to leave their hometown because of a famine. Now, they couldn't just go to Walmart. Walmart wasn't getting fresh groceries trucked in from somewhere else. This is an ancient culture. And and so as famine plagued their land, they became refugees, and they took off for the land of Moab, which uh, was a a neighboring uh, pagan nation, but they were uh, free from this specific uh, drought, this specific hard time. And so they become, they, they pack up all their lives, their belongings, their family relationships. They say goodbye to home in pursuit of life in Moab. And uh, as the story goes, uh, they arrive, and within the first couple of verses of this story, uh, as they are refugees in a foreign land, tragedy comes to this family at a catastrophic scale. Within the first opening verses of this story, after they find themselves as refugees, uh, uh, Naomi's husband dies, leaving her with only her two sons. Now, each of these sons would go on to marry a Moabite woman. Uh, One was named Orpah, and the other was named Ruth. And so after this family had been living in the land for uh, basically as refugees for 10 years, both of the sons pass away. And, and in this culture, that left Naomi very, very vulnerable. It left her without a lot of hope. You might say destitute or seemingly hopeless. If you stop the story here, if you didn't read on, uh, it would just be another account of a time when uh, death and despair and famine did its worst to another of God's people. But to stop reading the story here is to miss the entire reason the book of, of Ruth is included in the Scriptures. If you stopped reading here, you would miss God's loyal love displayed through Ruth to her mother-in-law. Let's pick up the story today in verse 6 of chapter 1. It says, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, uh, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she'd been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi uh, said to her daughters-in-law, Go back. Go back. Each of you to your mother's home, may the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. So in the story, uh, Naomi and her daughters-in-law are living as refugees in this foreign land, but she gets word that things have gotten a little better back in her homeland. So uh, Naomi wants to go home. She wants to go live out her days, uh, maybe processing her grief or figuring out what life is going to be like. She wants to go home. It seems like the best option for her, even though I'm sure it's not hard to imagine that this decision was loaded with emotion, loaded with uncertainty. Will they welcome me back? Will I find a place there? And so it's a little bit of that uncertainty shines through as she begins to urge her daughters-in-law, look, it's not your home. You're not from there. Stay here. Go back to your parents' home and find a new life 
with them. She's releasing them from their obligation to family. She said, go back home to your family. Go back home. Find a life for yourself apart from me. But the story continues in verse 9. It says, then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud. And they said to her, so, so this is the, the daughter-in-law speaking to Naomi, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home. Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you really wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No. <laughs> no, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Naomi is really wrestling with some severe grief in these moments. Understandably so. She has lost so much. She wants to just go back home. She seemingly wants to be left alone. She, she wants to just dwell in her grief and try to live out her days. But her daughters-in-law are objecting and saying, no, 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 we, we, we want to go with you. We, we want to stay with you. But Naomi's not hiding that there's not a bright future for them in the land of Judah. That they would be foreign women. They would have no prospect of Naomi bearing more sons to continue on the family line. There was no hope ahead of them. And it just didn't make sense for them to continue with her. Go home. <laughs> Go home and find a new life. Cut the ties and move on. But verse 14 says, At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. In this moment, Orpah, her daughter-in-law, uh, she concedes to her request, her urging. You might even say her arguing. Uh, Orpah, in this moment, is saying, okay, fine. I'll, I'll go home. And she is not wrong in making this decision. She's not wrong, so she had every right. Naomi is releasing her from her obligations. Uh, she had every right to return home for her family and make a new life for herself, remarry and put the past behind her. It was legal. It was allowed. It was culturally expected and accepted. It made good sense. But this book of the Bible isn't called Orpah. <laughs> and that's for a reason. Let's read the balance of 14. It says, Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. When common sense went on home, loyal love stuck fast. When common sense went on home, loyal love stuck fast. This idea of clung to her is the idea of sticking close, of being joined together. You might even say of being glued together. You see, Ruth in these moments is demonstrating, is exhibiting a love that defies categories. 
it stretches us to think the love, the loyalty that she's exhibiting here. Uh, she has uh, everything against her. Common sense is saying, cut your losses and go home. Culture would agree with her that she made the right decision, yet she clings to family relationships. And it's, it's a little hard for us to pick up on in our culture because uh, we miss so much of this, but she is laying it all on the line for family relationships. Let's continue in verse 15. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law is going back to her people, to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely if even death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. You see, Naomi had a pretty good argument, really. She was appealing to what made the most sense. She, you might even say that she was trying to provide the best possible hope for her daughter-in-law by saying, go home, <laughs> get out of here, go live a new life. And just like Orpah, Naomi is evaluating and navigating relationships with common sense and reasoning, but Ruth is engaging with loyalty with loyalty. You see, it's easy for us to miss in, in the, our modern culture because we don't place a lot of value on things like family burial plots. Some do, but for the most time, it's not a big deal where we're buried. But in this culture, that was huge. It was huge. She, in these moments, Ruth is giving up all of her family lineage. She is saying yes to being a part of Naomi's family. She is sacrificing her home, her family, her privileges in her nation to cling into relationship with Naomi. Ruth is putting it all on the line for loyalty. She's not engaging with common sense or what makes the most sense in the moment. She's engaging with loyalty. And so, friends, what would loyalty look like in your family relationships? To, to hold that value high as you engage with those that God has put close to you. How might that change the redemptive direction of some of those relationships? Loyalty. Loyalty. You see, I think sometimes it's easier for us to relate quicker to the stories, the pain of disloyalty in our families. Because those wounds run deep. Disloyalty hurts. It pulls apart. Where loyalty clings, disloyalty divides. How would loyalty make a difference in your family relationships today? I want to go back uh, to the beginning of the message. Uh, I want to apologize to the Patriots fans and the Virginia Tech fans and the Commanders fans. Not necessarily because I said anything that wasn't true, um, but because I myself am a pathetic sports fan. Pathetic. I really don't have a dog in a fight about who wins any sporting event. Let me explain. I don't watch a lot of sports. Um, 
I like to be like to know the stats and the players' names and all that stuff. That, that's just not my game. No pun intended. Uh, but there's some sporting event on the TV at our house on a regular basis. My wife loves sports. And so it's on. And so while sports are on, if I happen to be around watching it, I engage sports with a very simple strategy. You ready for this one? It's brilliant. Cheer for who is winning. (laughs) That is my strategy for engaging sports, and that alone makes me a terrible sports fan, as some of you will well agree. But but hang with me here. You see, uh, being loyal to a specific team, uh, being committed to a specific team and cheering for them uh, takes way more mental and emotional energy than I'm willing to invest into a sporting event. I'm just saying. Because you see, to be a loyal sports fan, uh, that means you're going to ride the highs. When the team's winning, when they're making all the good plays, you're riding that high, you're cheering. It is awesome to be uh, a sports fan. But you are also committing in loyalty to have that gut-wrenching, aggravating Sunday afternoon screaming at the television when it's going poorly. Right? That's loyalty. you got to be there when it's high and when it's going great, and you're going to be there wrapped up in it, frustrated, angry, knots in your stomach, mad when it's going poorly. I ain't got enough mental, emotional energy for all that. I'm just saying. When I come to a, a TV event... Uh, I would rather it be entertaining, like I'll just watch the cooking channel. That's more my jam. But you see, I just don't want to invest that into a sporting event. It's just not worth it for me, which that's not a big deal in sports because we can just laugh and, you know, you like the Cowboys or the Redskins or what, who cares? We can laugh about that. It's not a big deal. But how often does that attitude, does that philosophy spill over into family? That I'm for it, I'm, I'm in when it's going good, when we're having the good reunions and everybody's getting along, man, I'm for it. But when the going gets tough, when it gets messy and it gets emotional, I'm out. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not dealing with this nonsense. You see, I, I think that investment when it's going well and distance when it's going poorly easily comes into family for us. You see, you have to be invested. You have to be invested in family relationships. And so that means that we're going to be there when it's going good. We're going to be there in the middle of those moments. And it also means we're going to be committed when it's not going so great. That's loyalty. You see, so many times when it gets messy, we want to change the channel to friends. We want to pull back a little bit, right? We want to distance ourselves. When the going gets tough, we want to exclude. We want to condemn, point fingers. What would loyalty change in those moments? What would that commitment change? You know, we've not shied away from the challenges of family in this series. Uh, And I think to be totally honest, uh, you wouldn't need loyalty if family never got messy. But we all know family well enough, right? Like, it's always a little bit of mess in there somewhere. You need loyalty. You need loyalty to stick together in the midst of the challenges, in the midst of the hurt. It's loyalty that loves. It's loyalty that loves. 
family without loyalty is one easily scattered, quickly broken, and soon to be non-existent in any meaningful form. Loyalty is the bond of God-like love that keeps family together. Loyalty. You see, loyalty in the story of Ruth, it looked like choosing family over convenience. It displayed in persistence through disagreement. They had an argument, right? (laughs) That was an argument we studied. Go home. No, go home. No, that's an argument. Loyalty displayed itself in persistence through disagreement. That's loyalty. Loyalty was Ruth's willingness to sacrifice everything that was easier for her, everything that made sense. She was willing to sacrifice that to continue in relationship with Naomi. That's loyalty. That's loyalty. I don't think it's too much of a stretch today for us to begin to think about our family relationships and imagine what loyalty could change, what redemptive direction loyalty could bring to our families. So what does it really look like? How do you boil that down? I believe in its most basic form. I believe that loyalty is the commitment. I believe that loyalty is the commitment to love others as we have been loved by the Heavenly Father. When it's going good and we're riding the highs, and when our stomach's in knots, and it's not so great. I believe that loyalty is the commitment to love as we have been loved by the Heavenly Father. And I just want to, to, to be really clear. Loyalty does not mean, loyalty does not mean we have to subject ourselves to abuse in a family relationship. There's nothing about loyalty that says or demands stand there and take it. That's not loyalty. And it's... I know that happens in family sometimes. And loyalty does not mean stand there and take it. Loyalty does not demand that we excuse hurtful or harmful conduct from others. There may be a time when when we need to step back. Yes, in loyalty, there may be a time we need to step back and make our number one loyal focus to our family, petitioning the throne of grace and mercy and prayer for our family. Loyalty may mean that years later we're called to take up the mantle of reconciliation. Loyalty. One of Jesus' most famous stories in the New Testament uh, is literally a story about a family in the middle of a messy situation. You can find this in Luke 15. Uh, Jesus tells the story about a father who had two sons. Uh, The youngest son, uh, he had some pretty big ideas. He had big dreams about how he wanted to live, about things he wanted to do. And so uh, he needed a little funding. Big dreams almost always require a little bit of money. So uh, his way was that he went to his father and demanded his share of the inheritance. And in an honor-shame culture, that was the son approaching his father saying, Pops, I wish you were dead. Cash me out. Talk about a family disagreement, tension. But that's what the youngest son did. 
Pops, I wish you were dead. Cash me out. And so the youngest son lines his pockets full of cash, his head full of dreams, and he takes off, leaves family behind. And so he goes to a foreign land, and uh, he's uh, in that land, wild living and plenty of poor choices. Well, those wild living and poor choices happen to combine with a famine in that land, and he is found destitute again without the basic necessities of life. And he takes the job as a pig farmer, which for a Jewish boy, there was nothing lower he could have found to do than to serve the pigs. And not only is he a a pig farmer, he is competing with them for the food that they get to eat. You see, this youngest son out at the end of his wildest dreams is doing things he never imagined he would have to do just to survive. And so he's living, he's wondering what's happening at home, and he he decides that he's willing to take his chances to heading back to the house, heading back to the father. He wants to go home. If even only he could be a servant in his father's house, it would be better than a pig farmer in the foreign land. So he sets out on a journey towards home. He's rehearsing the lines the whole time. What am I going to say to dad when he comes out? What am I going to say? How am I going to ask for just a little bit of bread, a little bit of sustenance to get by? What am I going to say? Will he welcome me back? I don't deserve it. He knows the father has every right, every right to slam the door in his face. But he's willing to take his chances. And so he continues on home, heading back towards the family that he rejected. Verse 20 of that story says, But while he was still, the boy was a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Loyalty can look like loving those who don't deserve it. In that culture, that father running was the most undignified thing he can do. It would have been embarrassing if a friend saw him. He didn't care. My boy's home. Loyalty loved the son that didn't deserve it. That's loyalty. That's loyalty. Loyalty looks like years of prayer for the prodigals in your family. Those who have left and gone their way, loyalty prays for them earnestly. Loyalty loves anyway. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Loyalty may mean that we are the ones who have to ask forgiveness from our family. Loyalty may mean that we have to humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness. Because we want to be loyal to our family. We might need to ask for forgiveness. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Restore him to the family is what that means. 
bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to party. Loyalty is extending forgiveness. Loyalty is a willingness to welcome family back into relationship. See, while the party is going on at dad's house for the wayward son, the older brother, uh, he hears the ruckus out in the field. He wonders what's up. So he hollers at one of the farmhands, hey, what, what's happening at the house? And the farmhand says, oh, oh, you, you'll never believe it. Your younger brother's back and dad's throwing a party for him. Why don't you come? But you see, the older brother's ticked off because he ain't never gone anywhere. He's been there working hard on the farm the whole time brother was out having a good time. So why should this hooligan brother get the red carpet treatment and he ain't got so much as a barbecue? So he storms off up to the house. He's going to give his dad a piece of his mind, right? So he storms up to the house to confront his dad. My son, the father says, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Loyalty may mean defending those in our family who are seeking reconciliation. It may mean defending those who are with a humble heart trying to restore relationships. This is the story of the prodigal son in the New Testament. Jesus, when he told this story, he was demonstrating the Father's love in the kingdom of heaven. He was demonstrating how we've been loved. And the story he tells is of loyalty and love. Friends, our loyalty first and foremost is to God. And that story is the picture of the Father that we are called to run to. That if, after we've been living our way, our lives, the Father's welcoming us home. Welcoming us into His family. But as we are considering family values and loyalty, we are also hearing and seeing this is the example of loyalty that we are to love our family with. What would a love like that change in your family? What would loyalty change in your family story? Will you make that commitment to loving like that? How you've been loved by the Father. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you today for your loyal love. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, the witness of Ruth and Naomi. and Lord, the witness of the story you told the prodigal son. And Lord, your loyal, faithful love. And Lord, we hear the call today to love others, to engage our families with loyal love. Father, I just, it's not hard for me to imagine that there is pain in that, there is sacrifice in that, that there is challenge in that, Lord. So, Lord, today I'm asking that you would help us with the commitment. Place that value deep within our hearts, Lord, for our family to value loyal love as you have loved us.
thank you today, Father. We ask that you would search our hearts. We believe that there is hope and that there is help in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.